Was that just a minute there? Are you, are you done? These Chiefs fans. Or no, you're, you're not the Chiefs fan. Sorry. 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 I apologize. So risks. Who likes to take risks? A few of you. That's kind of what I thought. Just a few of us. There's not very many. I never considered myself a risk taker. I, I, I still not completely convinced that I am. But I was talking to a friend of mine, and uh, he, I was telling him this. I said, you know, I don't really think I'm a risk taker. And he just starts laughing at me. He says, he goes, you're like the biggest risk taker I know. I do have to tell you this. He is an accountant, so I'm not sure they take risks. <laughs> but I thought about it, and I, and I said, I thought, well, I think I do take risks. I am a risk taker, but I am a calculated risk taker. Because I'm willing to take a risk when I know the return is worth it. We'll debate that later. So we're, it's Christmas season around here. As you can tell, all the decorations. We're, we're beginning the Christmas season around here at Hope Center. And over the next four weeks, we're going to look at some people in the Bible that I think they took risks. People that knew the costs. They knew what it was going to cost them. They knew the, the risk associated with this, and they were willing to take the risk. The first one we're going to look at is Mary. I think that's a, that's a good place to start. And she might have been the one that took the biggest risk of all. Because here's a young girl that was pledged to be married. A young girl. She's, they, by all estimates, she's probably 13 years old. And when you're pledged to be married, that means that the negotiations between the bride's father and the groom's father have already been done. So the dowry, so to speak, or what, what it's going to cost me to marry this girl has already been, been arranged. And she was pledged to marry, as you know, most of you know, to a man named Joseph. And after this, the, the amount of money has, or exchange of whatever has been ag agreed upon, there's this public announcement that they go in front of the public and say, we're going to get married. But they're still not married yet. But this announcement is a binding agreement that can only be broken if one of them dies or divorce or some extreme circumstances. But like I said, they're still not married because there's this year-long period that happens where they live separately. They still, they're pledged to be married. They're kind of essentially married, but they're not they live separately in their own houses, and this is to ensure the bride's purity. So if the bride becomes pregnant during this time, this marriage could be annulled. So after the year is up, the two have a ceremony, or they get married, and they begin to live together. Now, many of you know what the story is I'm talking about. This is the story of Mary. We find it in Luke 1, in verse 26. So let's look at that together. It says, in the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in, in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, greetings, you who are highly favored, the Lord is with you. Mary was greatly troubled at, this, at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary. You have found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of the Most High. 
The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be unable to conceive is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever fail. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May your word be to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. So we see this angel Gabriel. This angel Gabriel that, as he said, he was the one that appeared the story right before this to Zechariah, who was a priest, married to Elizabeth. Elizabeth was way too old to have a baby. So Gabriel came to Zechariah, announced to him that your wife's going to have a baby. And, and Gabriel is the one that said that. Now this Gabriel is also the same Gabriel if you, in Daniel, it, 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 there's an angel that comes and, and tells, that visits Daniel. This is the same angel. So this Gabriel, he's been around for a while. This Gabriel, he's seen a lot of things. But I don't think he's ever seen this. I don't think he's ever seen a virgin give birth to a son. And this son, this just isn't any son, is it? This is the son of God. So imagine if you're Mary. And you had this angel dude named Gabriel come visit you. Probably he's got battle scars. I'm going to assume he's intimidating. He's, he may not be very clean. He might be kind of smelly because might be kind of wild looking. Because, you know, he's probably fought quite a few battles over the thousands and thousands and thousands of years that he's, he's been on the earth or been, you know, appearing to people, proclaiming news to them. And here he is visiting you. That alone's probably enough to cause a little bit of fear. Maybe Mary ran away from her dad, say, Dad, 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 there's this scary dude over here. Danger, danger, stranger, danger. <laughs> but then Gabriel lays this down on her. He goes, you know what, Mary? You're going to become pregnant. Remember, I'm pledged to be married. She's pledged to be married. She knows the risk. She knows the cost. You're going to be pregnant with the Son of God who's going to sit on the throne of his father David. So when Gabriel is saying this to her, like she comes from a Jewish family, she knows what this means. She knows that this is the Messiah. She knows this is the anointed one. She knows this is the one when Samuel talks about it in 1 Samuel, when he's saying about David that there will be someone on the throne of David that will last forever. Mary knows that. She knows the risk. She knows the risk of being pledged to be married. She knows the cost that it's going to cost her knowing that she's going to be pregnant. She knows what that's going to mean in her life. She knows Joseph could refuse to marry her. And if he refuses to marry her because she's pregnant, she's probably going to remain unmarried for the rest of her life, alone with a child, a single parent. Her father could reject her. Her father could say, you know what, you're not welcome here any longer. Kick her out. She's homeless. And if she's in that situation, it might leave her. She, she, does, she has like two choices in that culture. She can beg or she could revert to prostitution just to survive. She's risking losing her future husband, her family, her friends, her reputation, everything. 
And do you think maybe she stopped and did a risk-benefit analysis? Assessing the risks of being pregnant versus not being pregnant. All those risks I just described. But remember, we're not talking about any old baby, are we? We're talking about the Son of God. This long-awaited Messiah. Now, this risk-benefit analysis, that's something that, that we do all the time, right? Or we should do. We think we should do. We calculate the cost. We calculate the risk. We see what the benefits are. We see what the rewards. Like if we switch jobs, change careers, maybe if we just even review in faith in some health issues, some medical treatments that we need, some life-altering circumstances, some life-altering procedures. As Mary was facing, it was, this is going to be life-altering. We, I think, or at least I know I do, I do this risk-benefit analysis. Is the cost worth the risk? Is the benefit worth the risk? Is the benefit that I'm going to receive worth the risk of maybe this treatment that I need to have or this procedure I need to have? Will this surgery be worth it? Is there a risk of things getting worse? Is it worth that risk? Is this new job worth the risk of maybe disrupting my entire life, my family? Now, I do this risk-benefit analysis to the extreme. I'm, I'm pretty, I'm, I'm, I, I, I overdo it. In fact, Kim usually tells me, she just goes, would you just make a decision? <laughs> In fact, God, like I know God several times has told me, like, like, I maybe wanted you to make this decision or this decision, but I'm at the point now where I don't care what decision you make. I just want you to make a decision. <laughs> because that's the thing. Like, I have a choice, right? We have a choice. God gives us a choice. We can choose to follow God. We can choose to let God continue this work in our lives, continue to bring fulfillment of this work that he started in us or not. Look at Joshua 24, 15 with me. But if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. That's a verse that's probably hanging in many of your houses. I'm, I, I think it's still hanging in my bedroom. Is it still hanging in our bedroom? No, we or wherever. It's hanging in my house somewhere. <laughs> we have it hanging in our walls. We, we make this proclamation saying, we're going to serve Yahweh. We're going to serve God. We're going to follow God and not let all these other little G-gods be part of our lives. Or, or we're not going to serve them. We're not going to worship them. Right. Knowing that it might cost us. There's a risk in that. Because there's a risk maybe in you're in a job and, and they know that you're a Christ follower and maybe they're going to pass over you for a promotion because you're labeled a Jesus freak. Maybe you're not going to be invited to the party but all your friends are going because you know what? You're a Jesus freak. You're, you're, you're going to be a buzzkill. Knowing you might lose some of your friends but were they really friends? Knowing there's risks. Knowing there's... You're, you're doing this risk-benefit analysis, and you're ultimately choosing to follow God. We also have Philippians 1.6. Look at this with me. Being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. 
choosing the risk in our lives to follow God, knowing that God has work in our lives, work that's, that will be fulfilled if we choose to follow. Because Mary, she was nothing special, right? She wasn't a prophet. She wasn't a prophetess. She wasn't a daughter of a priest. She wasn't serving in the temple. Like, she just, she was nobody. She's just an ordinary girl. Just just normal 13-year-old girl that's pledged to be married. She's planning a wedding. From the outside looking in, like if you were going to choose someone to, have, to give birth to the Son of God, you're going, why would I pick this unqualified, ordinary girl to do this? In our lives, we may think we're unqualified. We may think we lack experience, we lack education, we lack the right background, we don't come from the right home, we don't come from the right place, we don't have the, light, this, the right life experiences, we haven't made the right choices. But yet Gabriel is saying, Mary, you're favored. Mary was favored. God found delight in her. Now we find favor with people, don't we? We know what that means. We delight in people. We find favor in each other. And, and we like just being around one another, right? Most of the time, when we find favor in each other, we do things for each other. We're willing to make sacrifices for each other. We take risks. Sometimes we do things that appear to be crazy because someone finds favor in us. Now our children, for example, that's what we're really good. We do crazy things for our children. Like last week, I was gone. Why was I gone? I was in Oklahoma City. Why Oklahoma City, I hope you ask? Well, because my son is there. My son, who is in his last year of med school, and they do these rotations, and he has to travel all over the, the this, he's all over in the south and midwest right now, but his wife can't go along because she has a job in Oregon. So she's there, and he's by himself. Well, I think maybe he finds favor in me. Like, I know I find, I find favor in him. I delight in him. But I think he finds favor in me because he sends this text saying, like, well, yeah, it would be nice if somebody would come. And so I came. I did this crazy thing. I just got on an airplane and left. I spent Thanksgiving with him. So I went to, to Oklahoma City with him because I delight in him. He delights in me. I've, I find favor in him. I think he finds favor in me. And Gabriel was telling Mary that God delights in you, this ordinary girl, that Mary was being called to fulfill this purpose of God this purpose that God had for her, and it involved a risk. Mary, she was willing to take that risk. She was willing to take that risk because she knew God found favor in her. Romans 8.28 tells us this. It says, and we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. Despite this risk, God was working for the good in Mary's life, as he does in our life. Despite the risk, what God had started in our life is for our good. Proverbs 8.35, for those who find me find life and receive favor from the Lord. Mary, she, she knew God. She found God. She loved God. She found life. She found favor from God and God was going to complete this good work that he started in her life to completion for the good of those that, that all of us that love God. Us, we found life. We found God. God finds favor in us also. We find favor from God to complete this good work that God started in our life to completion. 
that he's bringing it to completion for the good of not only us, but for the good of all those that love God. Just because we don't come from the proper family or have the right education or have the right job or whatever the world would say, to be qualified for that, you need to have this. It doesn't matter. We're all qualified in God's eyes. We all have found favor in God's eyes. We've all found favor to have God's work fulfilled in us if we choose to follow him and allow that work to be completed. Because you might not think of this, but Mary, I think, had a choice. Just like we have a choice. Mary could have said, you know what, Gabriel, get lost. Find some other girl. I'm not going to take that risk. I, I, no, I'm not going to do it. She didn't do that. She chose God. She chose to follow God. She chose to be God's servant in order for God's work that was started in her to be fulfilled. Because this is what her response was in verse 38. Let me read it to you again. It says, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Mary didn't say, you know, Gabriel, that sounds like a great honor. But I think I'm going to pass. Go find someone else for God to favor. Or maybe she said, Gabriel, thanks for telling me that, that God has favored me. Like, I'm flattered. I'm honored. But, you know, this is asking a lot of me. I, got, I have a good reputation. This is going to ruin it. I don't know. I stand a chance maybe to be homeless, losing my fiance. You know what? I think I better sleep on this. I think I better take some time. So, you know what, Gabriel? Why don't you come back in a couple of weeks or so and... Or, or just give me your card and I'll call you. And then I'll give you my answer. Mary didn't do any of that. We see Mary didn't even do this risk-benefit analysis. She simply said, God, I'm in. I'm in. I'm your servant. I will follow you and I will put my faith in you. Let your will be done. Let the work you've chosen for me be fulfilled. Mary taking the risk of faith. Putting her faith in God and trusting Him. She knew God was asking her to serve Him and she willingly obeyed. Risking it all. Is God asking you to serve Him? Asking you to allow Him to maybe finish this work that has started in you? Asking you to let God fulfill the work that's been started in you. A work... Maybe the work hasn't even started yet because you're still doing this risk-benefit analysis, trying to decide, am I going to follow Jesus or am I not? Work that needs to begin because you need to start. You need to make that, take that risk and make that decision to put your faith in God. You decide to be a servant of God. Like all these people over here are going to be baptized today are going to do. You're surrendering your life to God and you're realizing that God has found favor in you. You know that God delights in you. Maybe you know what the work is that God needs to do and fulfill in your life. But like I said, you're too busy doing this analysis. Maybe it's time to stop and just decide. Make your decision. Are you in or are you out? Because remember when I began today, when I said I was a calculated risk taker? Because I, why am I that? Because I need to know the re if the return is worth it. So is the risk worth it? Is this risk 
that Mary took. Is this risk of putting your faith in Jesus, is it, is it worth it? Mary thought so. She risked everything. In fact, let's do our own little risk-benefit analysis right now. It's going to be really quick. All we're going to do is really just look at the words that Jesus said in the Bible, in the gospel. Just, just some of the things, just really quick, not like really brief. About letting ourselves follow Jesus and let this good work that's starting us be fulfilled. The Beatitudes, Matthew 5, verses 3 through 12. I'm not going to read the whole thing, but verse 3 says, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. That sounds, sounds maybe worth The kingdom of heaven is theirs, so... I, I can live with that. That sounds like that might be worth it. Then in verse 11, it says, God blesses you when people mock you and persecute you and lie about you and say all sorts of evil things about you because you are my followers. Okay, well, there's some risk. So I told you there was risk. But listen to this. This is where the reward comes. It says, be happy about it. Be very glad for a great reward awaits you in heaven. So the kingdom of heaven is... Is, is mine. It says it's theirs. There's rewards waiting in heaven. Okay, so that sounds like it's worth it. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Anyone who listens to my teaching and follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. Though the rain comes in torrents and floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. So there's storms in our lives, isn't there? Storms that test our faith in Jesus. Storms that say, are you really the Lord's servant? Are you going to let this work be fulfilled? But we read this and we see, you know what? We can stand in the strength of Jesus. Because we're on solid bedrock. But listen to what happens to those that don't. But anyone who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is a house on sand. When the rains and floods come and the winds beat against it, the house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. Risk, reward? Well, that's destruction. So that doesn't sound like, that sounds like the risk is worth it. Some other things, we see this repeatedly in the Gospels of Jesus just simply saying the words, be healed. And people are healed. Luke 5, it says, young man, your sins are forgiven. Jesus forgives our sins. Matthew 9, we see Jesus bring this dead girl back to life. He simply grabs her hand and raises her up, and she's alive. In John 11, we see the story of Lazarus. Lazarus who has died. Lazarus who has been buried. Lazarus who is in his tomb. He's been in his tomb for four days. Jesus says, roll that stone away. He calls out to Lazarus, and Lazarus comes out. He's risen from the dead. Jesus who in Luke 24, 23, 43, he's on the cross. There's, criminal, there's two criminals next to him. The criminals are having this discussion back and forth. The criminals are talking to each other, and one of them says to Jesus, he says, Jesus, so you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it. Save yourself, and while you're at it, save us too. The other criminal states to the other criminal, he says, don't you fear God? Even when you have been sentenced to die, we deserve to die. For our crimes. But this man, he hasn't done anything wrong. Then the criminal says to Jesus, he says, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is what Jesus says to him. I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Paradise sounds pretty good, doesn't it? 
think that's worth the risk. Matthew eleven twenty eight through 30, Jesus said, Come to me, all you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Sounds like that reward's worth it. And then lastly, John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. We could continue. We could go on verse after verse about what it means by taking the risk of following Jesus. Talking about who it is that Mary was being asked to give birth to. This Messiah, Jesus, the Son of God. Looking at who Jesus is so that hopefully our response is the same as Mary's. And she goes, I am the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. And I hope you see the reward. I hope you see this reward, this forgiveness of our sins, that there's, there's power in his name, there's healing, there's this reward in heaven, that there's life with Jesus in paradise. That any risk is, is it's, the reward is greater than any risk. So a risk-benefit analysis? I don't think it's needed. I don't think so. No wonder Mary didn't do one. She knew any hardship that she might encounter was worth following God. The benefit far exceeded the risk. Let me share something with you that I read this week. It says she, who's, she's talking about Mary, took the risk of faith, and she willingly obeyed. Believers need Mary's kind of trust and responsiveness. Too many wait to see the bottom line before offering themselves to God. God wants willing servants. Are we willing servants? Are we willing servants to be a servant of God and not worry about the bottom line, not worry about what the risk is, not worry about all those things we were, not doing those analysis. We know the benefit is worth it, and we simply say yes. We say yes to Jesus. Jesus, may your word be fulfilled. A few weeks we celebrate Christmas. As I said, over the next few weeks, we're going we're gonna to look at the response of different people when they, when they found out the news that the Son of God is being born. That these words of Isaiah 9-6 are, are, are being fulfilled. For to us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. A son is given child that forever changed the course of history. Child, it, it changed the life of this ordinary, plain, nobody girl living in Nazareth named Mary because she took the risk and she said yes to God. She simply said, yes, I'll be your servant. Now this is a time to celebrate. It's a time to celebrate the birth of this child, to celebrate the birth of Jesus. It's also a time to maybe, I think, examine our lives. What is God asking to fulfill in our lives? Maybe a time to, for us to respond as Mary did. Maybe it's time to stop analyzing. Stop doing a risk-benefit. It's time to demonstrate the faith that Mary had and say, yes, Lord. Yes, Jesus. I'm your servant. Lord, I just pray for this season, Lord, that we, we focus on you. That we keep our, our, just our, our hearts just 
in tune with what you have for us, Lord. I just pray that we come to the altar, Lord, as to sing, Lord, I am your servant. Fulfill in me what you've started. Lord, I, I just pray that we put our faith in you, that we, we, we stop trying to analyze. We stop trying to, is it worth risk it? Is the risk worth it? Lord, it is worth it. The reward is far greater than any risk. Lord, so I just pray that this Christmas season, Lord, that we, we grow closer to you, that we begin to see that work that you've started in us, Lord, that we start to see fruit, that we start to see lives change, that we start to see this kingdom grow, that we as this, this criminal that was on the cross, he saw, even at, on his death, he saw your glory and he saw that you are the only way. And he said, Jesus, I'm in. I'm your servant. And Jesus said, you're in paradise with me today. So Lord, I thank you for that. Lord, and I also want to pray for, there's somebody in this room right now that you've been doing a risk-benefit analysis your entire life, and you've been trying to figure out, is this Jesus worth it? Is it worth it to surrender all my stuff that I think keeps me happy? All my stuff that protects me? All my stuff of doing life on my own? Doing my own thing? If you're, you've realized that, you know what? The risk of following Jesus is way better than trying to figure this out on my own. If you're wanting to put your life, put your, put your faith in Jesus and say, Lord, I'm your servant now. If that's you, if you want to say yes to Jesus, just if you want to raise your hand and look up at me and just, I see you, and just say yes. I, I see you. Say yes to Jesus. Lord, I thank you. I thank you for these people that said yes, and I thank you for these people that are getting baptized, Lord, that are going to publicly say, I am your servant. In your name we pray. Amen.